Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Tuesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. And of course, as always, we are on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations covering all 82 counties in the Magnolia State and beyond. Thanks for being with us alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky. I'm Richard Cross, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Two 18-hole championship golf courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas, DancingRabbitGolf.com. That's where you can book your tee time. That is where you can plan your trip. What a better time. What better time. I mean, we are in a weather cycle right now that is, in the words of the great Bert Bielema, borderline erotic. It's absolutely spectacular. And we are on a rinse and repeat cycle right now. 80 degrees for the high, maybe a touch higher, maybe a touch lower. Lows in the 50s. Yes, if you like fall golf, now is the time to get out to Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. You want to be a part of the conversation? C Spire text line, that's the way to do it. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business, backed by world-class IT experts who live where you do. Right here in C Spire country. Online, cspire.com slash business. You can check availability for your location today. I went through and tallied the results. We had 363 entries this week, uh, 365 entries this week in the Polk's Pick 6. Of those 365 total entries, 37 of you, Picked all six games correctly. That's 10%. That's pretty darn good. However, with the exception of one person that picked all 37 games correctly, everybody was way over on the point total for Ole Miss Kentucky. Burdell from Tupelo was our winner this week. He had a tiebreaker score of 38 which was three points off of the 31-point total. The next closest, there were a couple of 45s, which were four points above, so Burdell was the closest. He is the winner. His Polk's Meat Products prize package will go out tomorrow from uh, our friends at Polk's, and we'll give you a chance to enter 
and get your picks in once again starting on Thursday this week in the Polk's Pick 6 Challenge. That's a lot of people, man. 365, it's up about 100 from last week and about 110 from the first week we did it. So gaining steam, building traction, all that stuff because everybody loves a chance to win sausage. Hey, Dan, what's up, buddy? What's up, man? Porky, what's up, my man? you started... As soon as you started into it, I was like, I know what he's about to say, and I'm just going to go ahead and start laughing. Here it comes, anticipating the punchline. I love it. Goodness. I'm starting to get concerned about something. And what I hope is that people that cover the SEC, I hope they don't follow this lead. Mm -hmm. Because... I have observed that the biggest, most promoted analyst, who doesn't really know much about the actual games, is starting to cover the SEC. Paid by the SEC, by the way. Draws paychecks from the league. The same way that places like ESPN cover the NBA. Where instead of talking about games... We're talking about Paul Feinbaum? Talking about Paul Feinbaum. Okay. Or in, instead of talking about games and players and outcomes and results, it's drama. Let's talk about the drama. Let's talk about Kyrie and this. Let's talk about LeBron James. Let's talk about what Ben Simmons posted on Instagram. And when games are actually happening, people that cover the NBA don't cover basketball. They cover and create drama. So... You love Cole Kublik. I think he's one of the best. He is phenomenal. But on his radio show, he and Greg McElroy had Paul Feinbaum on. I think they yeah, do it he, weekly. Yeah, he comes on every week. And I listened to the segment because they, they put it out on social media. I don't listen to Feinbaum's show because we are literally on the air at the same time and you couldn't pay me to, to sit and yeah, listen okay. to that anyway. But they had him on and they asked him about the Ole Miss-Kentucky game. Mm-hmm. And his answer was, I'm paraphrasing, yeah, the game was nice and stuff, but hey, I'm hearing that you know he would jump to Auburn. And that's what the rest of the conversation was. Well, and he's, he's done that twice this week, right? He, he's yeah. talked about, uh, he did it with Matt Berry on uh, Matt Berry's podcast. Yep. Look, man, that's what Paul Feinbaum does. He grabs low-hanging fruit and he tries to grab your attention. My point is, that that's always been him, right? Like, he got rich on just letting people call and scream at him and creating drama. Like, that's fine. I, I get him. What I hope doesn't happen, though, is other people start doing the same thing and following that lead. Because I remember when I was younger, the NBA, I'm using this parallel, used to be covered games. It was games and players and highlights. That's what it was. That's all anybody covered. That's all anybody talked about was games, players, and highlights. We spend eight months waiting for the season to begin, and when the season begins, we don't talk about the games. You've got a top-ten team with a fun coach, fun players, and the only thing you talk about is coach is going to leave and who's – is he waiting for Nick Saban? No, I don't think you can wait for Nick Saban. That, that's the conversation. I, I expect it from a guy like him. I just hope that doesn't spill into other places because we finally have games and people don't want to talk about games anymore. Because Harson's going to get fired, and Paul Chris got fired, and it, that's all the conversation is when good, fun football is actually happening. And I hope that people don't follow his lead and become the NBA. 
See, I think it was a mistake. I, I think the way the NBA is covered has been a mistake. And I think it has yep. cost viewers. Absolutely. I genuinely believe, and I hope that especially during the season, we never fall into the trap of not talking about games and players. I, I hope we don't. I respect what Paul Feinbaum has accomplished in his career in terms of the money he's made, the audience that he's generated, the longevity he has had, all of those things. I don't think Paul Feinbaum is smart enough as, to use your word earlier, an analyst, which he's not. He's not an analyst. He's a columnist that hosts a radio show that's kind of a sideshow. And that's not a knock on Paul Feinbaum. He has found a way to carve out a niche and make an incredible living for a really, really long time. But he's not, he, he's also incredibly bright and incredibly smart, but he's not smart enough as an analyst to do a show that's nuts and bolts on college football. He doesn't know the game well enough to do that. You mentioned Cole Cuba. I was going to say, say it. if that's what you want, fine, go, go get that. If you want nuts and bolts of football, there are places that you can get it. I would like to think that this is one of those places. I think Cole Kubelik provides that no for the doubt. most part. I'm going to tell you who, and, and you guys kind of turned me on to him. I think he does a really good job, and there is a lot of meat on the bone with Josh Pate. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about all the other stuff. Now, he gets into the whole playoff, four teams, keep it at 12, whatever. I, I think that's a dumb argument, but it's it, well, fine, whatever. But in terms of just breaking down games and analyzing games and why things happen, he's pretty good. And I think the point I'm making is if you want real college football coverage and not sideshow college football coverage, it is there for you to consume, but you've got to be a, um, a discerning consumer. You can't just eat whatever is put on your plate. Yeah, you got to decide. You, you got to pick out the meat and vegetables because there's a lot of fluff on your plate as well. But I agree. Agreed. Especially, 100%. I think there is plenty on the field to okay. talk about, especially this year. I mean, of all years for that to be the dominating conversation, when it, it feels, and I could be wrong again. We'll look up in December, and it'll be. Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, and that'll just be what it is. But I don't feel like that's what it is. I think they are all vulnerable. I think Ohio State might struggle to run the football against the better teams that they play. I think Clemson, while DJ's been better, is is vulnerable. We've seen that Alabama is vulnerable, and you know their Heisman winning quarterback just has a little AC joint sprain. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We saw vulnerabilities with Georgia. I think teams like Oklahoma State, for example, when you look at Oklahoma State's schedule and how good they are, buddy, that that has a chance to be a playoff team. What happens if BYU runs the table? I know they have a loss, but still, it's a fine loss. And look at the rest of their schedule. So there's a lot of good going on right now and a lot of vulnerable, which makes it so much more fun. Jerry and Wayne. What I've taken from this segment. Go ahead. What I've taken away from all this is that I think what everybody needs to do is if they want college football news, they need to check out the number one rated sports news podcast in America. That would be the Thunder and Lightning podcast. Available at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. 
I think that's a great secondary listen immediately following, you know, your, your employer. Sports Talk Mississippi. Just saying. We'll be Head right back. Table. More coming up. Here we go. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here's more. Super Talk Mississippi. Yesterday on the ceasefire text line said that when I'm here, we don't do a good enough job engaging with the text line. I'm going to take that as constructive criticism, and I'm going to try to bring more of your thoughts to it. But we got a ton to get to. Said when it's just you guys and I'm gone, you do more text stuff. So I will uh, I, I will try to bridge the gap on that a little bit. Josh and Laurel on the ceasefire text line says that Rene Ngoglia, I think it's Rene and not Renee. I think that's right. But if it's not, forgive me. Ross Tucker and Jay Walker are the best color analysts working today. I think Ross Tucker is really good. I don't know that I would go there on those other two. Jerry in Waynesboro says Greg McElroy is the best analyst on ESPN. Okay. He diagnoses the game from largely from an offensive perspective, kind of through the eyes of a former quarterback, and I think there's value there. For my money, I think Todd Blackledge is the best. I I just think that team of Sean McDonough and Todd Blackledge. It's a matter of experience there. He's been doing it so long, there's nothing he hasn't seen at this point. Yeah. I really like McDonough, too. The voice cracks are so funny. I mean, it... And it's organic, right? It's not like he's trying to create something that's not there. I feel like that's actually just him being excited, but he, that voice crack, yeah. man, is so funny. Does he still do Todd's Taste of the Town? That's the best part. Yeah, they did Taylor Grocery. So, Ooh, yeah. Good choice. A lot of fried catfish, baby. I like fried Great catfish. Great call. I mean, he's been to Oxford before. He's done different restaurants. I'm glad he got down to yeah. Taylor and... Spend some time with Lynn and uh, and the crew at uh, at Taylor Grocery. That is fantastic. Um, Borky, I know this is supposed to be the college football fix, but I want to do this right now, and we'll find something else to talk about in the five o'clock hour for the college football fix. Preseason AP ranked teams that are no longer ranked. We are five weeks in. Most everybody's played either four or five games. There are a few teams that have played six. Ten. Ten teams that were ranked in the preseason. Four of the top ten in the preseason are no longer ranked. Here's the list, and let's go through why. Notre Dame at number five. Preseason. Texas A&M, preseason number six. Oklahoma, preseason number nine. Baylor, Mm -hmm. preseason number ten. Michigan State, number 15. Miami, number 16. Pittsburgh, number 17. Wisconsin, 18. Arkansas, 19. Houston, 24. All right, let's do it from the top. Notre Dame, why have they fallen from preseason number five to not Ranked. Austin Marshall. The same reason you're going to give for, for Texas A&M. They can't score. Well, Offensively, yeah. they're just challenged. Yeah, but, but let's take it deeper than that. They lost the winningest head coach in school history. That matters. Mm-hmm. 
I know Marcus Freeman. We'll so, see. We'll, we'll see. But they lost the winningest head coach in school history, who has a pretty average team in Baton Rouge right now. It's four and one. Should, and you look at should them, be five and zero. Oh. Should have, could have, would have. I know, but still. Yeah, but could be three and two also. Yeah. But you look at them and you go, is that really a good enough team to be four and one with the schedule they played? And yet they are. So we'll see with Marcus Freeman. Starting quarterback has gotten injured. Probably a little bit of overrating because of what they've been year after year after year in the preseason. And and frankly, at the end of the year. Texas A&M at number six. Why, why are they, they not ranked? Why, why were the they ranked question. there and why are they not ranked now? That's the better question. Why were they ever in the top ten? That was always a bad team. Now they're not. They're much worse than I thought they'd be. I thought they would be an eight and four, maybe a nine and three team if if things really broke their way. But they they don't have a quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, you can't win football games. Mm-hmm. It really is that simple. So why were they ranked preseason number six? Because a lot of sports writers got wrapped in number one recruiting class of all time. Yeah. And didn't they take into the fact that recruiting classes win games in the SEC. Yes, yes. Didn't take into the fact that recruiting classes don't immediately generate results. It's not basketball. It is not basketball. Oklahoma, number nine. Transitioning from Lincoln Riley to a first-time head coach with a first-time-by-himself offensive coordinator may not be that smooth. And a new quarterback. Yeah. Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, I think we overvalued Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, we overvalued Gabriel. I can't help but wonder, because you know, the SEC transition's happening, and maybe Venables figures it out, man. Like, Oklahoma's got money, they're recruiting well and all that, but, you know, we joke about Texas and their readiness for the SEC. Oklahoma's had playoff appearances, they've won the Big 12 and all that under Lincoln Riley. Mm-hmm. But look at the way they look now. Imagine if it wasn't TCU and it was Georgia. You don't get breaks in the SEC. Even the bad teams are good. Seriously. You, you've got Vanderbilt, who's improving. Your, your schedule break is an improving football team. Otherwise, Auburn, who is clamoring to fire their coach and doesn't have a quarterback, has, what, half a dozen NFL players? Something like that. That is not, that is not your weekly challenge in the Big 12. Mississippi State has the second smallest stadium by capacity in the SEC. It's louder than any place that Oklahoma third. plays in. Third. Yeah, third. It's bigger than Kentucky. It's bigger than Vanderbilt. And you tell me that you could just go to Starkville and win? No. no. It is not like, what is it, Amon G. Carter Stadium in Fort Worth, Texas? Isn't that what it's called? It's that is just, what it is called. It is a totally... Totally different challenge on a weekly basis. They don't have that now, and it still goes like this. Baylor at number 10. I completely agree with where they were ranked in the preseason. I do. And and that's because I think Dave Aranda is really, really good, but they've lost a couple of games. Lost a game at home to a pretty good Oklahoma State team this weekend. Top 10 Oklahoma State team. And their other losses on the road at BYU. 
maybe we didn't value enough what they lost on defense. And, oh, by the way, Gary Bohannon, their starting quarterback from a year ago, transferred out. He wasn't going to be the starter if he had stayed. But still, that's a guy that won them a Big 12 title a year ago. Started 10 of 12 games and put up pretty good numbers. He did, and he's gone. There was experience there. Michigan State at 15. Who would have guessed that a running back was this valuable? I mean, we're not talking. I mean, and we're not talking about Barry Sanders here. We're not talking about Adrian Peterson. I mean, Kenneth Walker is a good running back. He really was. You you know what? I think he's become some sort of invaluable piece. I think this illustrates how difficult it is to rely as heavily on the transfer portal to build your roster as Mel Tucker did at Michigan State and, frankly, as Lane Kiffin in two years has done at Ole Miss and make it work. And I say that as a compliment to Lane Kiffin. When you bring in that many pieces year after year, you got to do something really special to blend all of those pieces together. I saw, hey, Dad, your eyes get big when I say that because maybe you weren't sure exactly where I was going with it. I think it's really yeah. hard to do that and do it well year after year. Well, and this is this is year one, really. I mean, did he really hit? I mean, he hit the portal last year, but not to the extent that he's done this year. Correct? You talking about Ole Miss or Michigan State? Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Ooh. I mean, I know they had some transfers, but they, I don't think they they weren't as transfer heavy last year as they are this year, are they? They had big contributions from it. There may not have been as big many contributions in terms of numbers, but the guys, guys that contributed. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like we'll find out for sure with Ole Miss like next year a little bit. Well, and I do but believe that they are going this to year sign for Michigan State. Yeah, I think Ole Miss is going to sign more high school kids than they did a year ago. And it's a mix, right? I think the rule change, the rule change helped that. We make you can sign as many as you want, and then get to processing guys. I think that that helps Ole Miss a lot. Well, and and think about the mix, right? Because. One thing that Ole Miss, for the most part, Chase Campbell's different. He did have another year left if he had wanted it. But Ole Miss has tried not to get one-year transfer guys. It's been guys that have multiple years of eligibility left. And and so, yeah, like Malik Heath this year. He's just got one year, right? But he's he's contributing big. Jared Ivey's got multiple years. Ladarius Tennyson's got multiple years. But then you've also got two tackles that are redshirt freshmen. And you got a true freshman running back. And you got a sophomore quarterback who's got this year and next and maybe one more, depending on how things work for him. So it's a it's a pretty interesting mix. And Jared Ivey spoke on Saturday. He told me. He he talked about I asked him about the camaraderie in the locker. So so I was kind of making a joke with him about what Lane Kiffin had said. I mentioned to you guys yesterday about who made the play. They said it was Jaron Ivey, and he said, well, good, because he missed four sacks last week, and everybody laughed. And that's when I asked Jared Ivey about the camaraderie in the locker room, and it was like his face lit up. And, and he talked about kind of the relationships that exist. Easy to do that when you're 5-0 and without a ton of adversity, so we'll see. We'll keep looking at this list when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi.
back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. You want to be a part of the conversation? Ceasefire text line. That is the uh, the best way to do it. 601-879-4395. Jeff in Oxford says, Richard mentioned the college football fix, and I had an oh crap moment. I had to look at my clock. Yeah, it's not five five oh five yet. Sorry, Jeff. Sorry, the workday is not quite done. I just, what I said was we were stealing Borky's college football fix content and moving it forward because I thought that was a really fascinating list of preseason AP poll ranked teams that are no longer ranked. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the uh, the complaining grandma chimes in. Please, Richard, we all knew you were going. Ole Miss is where you were going. Ole Miss has worked into every conversation, no matter the subject. You're right. You got me figured out, complaining grandma. Hope your day is as crotchety as you are. Uh, she she wanted us to uh, to break down uh, Kiffin uh, shoving a guy with pads on and, and how bad that was. Horrible. Uh, I mean, just horrible. Didn't we talk about that yesterday? Hey, Dad asked we about did. it. Like, hey, Dad brought it up in the middle of the conversation about the old Miss game, and we kind of stopped and we talked about it. And I was, I said, I didn't think it was a great look, and I didn't know why nobody had really talked about it. And it's a grown man and a head coach and a contact sport, and can't really do that in today's world. But but the fact that it didn't go viral and everybody tried to clickbait it made me think, huh? Maybe people aren't as soft as they used to be. Because if you took offense to that, you're very soft. Yeah. Very soft. Or you just soft. want to see the demise of someone. Of course. Or you're a state fan. I mean, and vice Which versa. Which the complaining grandma wants yeah, to see. In, in, in rivalries, right. you live in a perpetual glass house. So that, that, that's fine. But if like, if, like, Dan Wolken wrote a column about that, it would indicate how soft he was. But since he didn't, maybe he's toughening up a little bit. Yeah. Or he just missed it. Probably uh, so. My, my buddy Jimbo says I'll Sean McDonough did not like his booth in the vault. To which I responded, yeah, it kind of stinks. It's small. It looks directly into the sun. And for an early kickoff, it's hotter than the hinges of Hades when it's a warm day. Although that did used to be almost maybe the best booth in all of college football. It was three times its current size. And it was just huge. But when they remodeled the skyboxes on the west side, they shrunk it down and added size to other skyboxes and generated more revenue off of it. I forgot to play the speaking of him. He had the soundbite of the weekend uh, because last oh, yeah. weekend he famously hated the Aaron Judge cut-ins. Was so mad. Hated oh, it. Was it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And th- this is you got the, it? Yeah, I've got it. Here it is. Oh, by the way, McDonough, the tarp is on the field at Yankee Stadium. Oh, what a shame. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> beautiful. <laughs> That's thing of beauty. beautiful. <laughs> did you notice they didn't, they didn't cut in on Monday Night Football last night? No, nor did they last week. They have said that they would not cut in on Monday Night Football. He didn't He didn't make any more jokes. I think somebody said something to him. Probably. That was all he okay. said, yeah. Was, yeah. was that. But, I mean, you could hear it in his tone because they cut away. Now, I learned that they double broadcasted that game. That was also on the SEC Network. Yes, because it was supposed to be Florida, Eastern Washington, but that got oh. moved to 
Sunday, so both games were on at this on different channels. And SEC Network, for whatever reason, didn't have cut-ins. But if you were like me and just watched on ESPN, because all week you were told the game's going to be on ESPN, they had cut-ins. And you could hear it in his tone after the second one when he was having to update the audience on four plays that happened, how annoyed he was. And then, so it's over now. By the way, oh, did did he hit sixty two? No, 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 no. I mean, there are no more regular right. season games that yeah. coincide with college football. It's just the playoffs now. Uh, jokingly said yesterday, but it bears repeating. Aaron Judge had like a a top ten home run hitting season of all time, the number six home run hitting season of all time, like incredible career type year. And if you only have watched Aaron Judge via college football game cut ins. He sucks. <laughs> He's since terrible. Hitting, since hitting number 61, only 23% of the pitches that he has seen have been in the strike zone. So what do you think about that? Because I've seen some people you know, do what we do, say that that pitcher should throw to him as a courtesy. And I thought, no? No, they shouldn't. Just, what? just pitch. Just play the game. Whatever. It, I don't care. I, You're trying to get him out. You're trying to win. Yeah, if it means that I pitch around a guy that has 61 home runs this year, then I pitch around him. I'm not throwing him a meatball just for history's sake. It's the dumbest take I've ever heard. Intentionally lose. Is that really something that you said like to an audience, that the pitcher should intentionally give up a home run? Just groove him fastballs and let him hit it because of history? No. I mean, maybe if you're terrible as a pitcher and that's the best way to get your name in the record books, you think about it then, but uh, otherwise probably not. Uh, five teams left on this list that were not ranked in the preseason, uh, sorry, that were ranked in the top 25 in the preseason and are not currently ranked. Tell me why. Miami at number 16. Where do we Massively begin? overrated quarterback. Or change of offensive system has been really bad for a quarterback who was talented. Whatever the reason. Pittsburgh at number 17. Kenny Pickett was excellent. Jordan Addison also was excellent. They lost their two best players. Yeah. And And their offensive coordinator who was pretty good, even though Pat Narduzzi was mad he didn't run the ball more. And you kind of felt like they were going to lose to Tennessee, but losing to Georgia Tech is something nobody could have predicted. Correct. Especially now. Uh, Wisconsin at 18. This one's a little bit of a head-scratcher. It's hard. It's not playing well. I mean, sometimes it's just that simple. Yeah. Arkansas at 19, I think it's primarily related to injuries. I mean, they've been decimated. If K.J. Jefferson doesn't try to play Superman from the three on first and goal... And they beat Texas A&M. They're still ranked. You're right. And then Houston at number 24, who a lot of people thought was going to be the best group of five team out there, and they just haven't been. I mean, when you get to 24th, it's like, I mean, it's not that surprising that they're not ranked. Like, like those teams fall in yeah. and out all the time. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, and then you got teams. If you pull up the the rankings right now that were not ranked in the preseason, I do not have a. Uh, uh, a full list of them. We know Mississippi State is one of those teams. Not ranked in the preseason. Close before they lost to LSU. If they had lost to LSU, they would have been ranked two weeks ago. I'm sorry, if they had won against LSU, they would have been ranked two weeks ago. They didn't, so it took a step back, and they had to get a solid win to jump in. They make their debut at 23. Syracuse unranked. Nobody could have seen this Syracuse team starting the year 5-0. and 
Cincinnati. MSU, Garrett Schrader. Yeah, absolutely. Cincinnati started the season ranked, fell out. They've now climbed back in four straight wins after their season opening loss to Arkansas. And had chances to win that game, too, so they belong. LSU started the season unranked, lost the opener to Florida State, so they dug that hole a little bit deeper, and now with four straight wins, they have climbed into the top 25 for the first time this year. Kansas, I mean, <laughs> Kansas, 5-0 and and hosting game day. That, that man is cashing in. I think it's noble, and guys should stick around. I mean, there was an article last week going into the Ole Miss-Kentucky game that saying that both Kiffin and Stoops should stick around because the jobs that are coming open are toxic or, or whatever. And I agree with that sentiment, but Kansas is a different level of if you win, boy, get out. Just go because... <laughs> get while you're getting get, good. Get while you're getting good because winning there, sustained winning there is almost impossible. UCLA, it hasn't been super pretty, but they've won five straight to start the season, and now they've got a huge one coming up against UCLA. TCU off to a 4-0 start, a couple of really good wins. They're at number 17 in the preseason, or in the poll now. I don't, I don't think TCU is ranked to start the season. Uh, they were no. not. I've got Sonny the preseason Dykes poll is a up. good football coach. Yes. He's pretty good at Cal. And was okay with leaving Berkeley behind. Berkeley was ready for a change. I think Sonny Dykes was too. A guy that spent his entire life in Texas living in Berkeley. I don't know that it's the best fit. You do it for a while, and then it's time to go back home. It's good at SMU. Good now at TCU. They're off to a good start. Yeah, Cal's weird. They're, they've. I saw somebody point out the other day that they are really sure to remind everybody that Justin Wilcox is a single man, not dating anybody, not married, and like it's in their media guides and stuff. That, hey, everybody, our coach is single, eligible bachelor. It's very odd. I mean, never mind. (laughs) mind. Moving on. (laughs) You mentioned Tennessee. Oh, you're getting there. Tennessee's at number eight. Like That's the one that stands out the most. No. Yeah, but they should have been. Well, yeah, but Tennessee I mean, that's was pretty obvious now. in votes number 26. And we said going into the year that Tennessee should have been ranked in the preseason. Yes. We did. But, yeah, they climbed all the way to number eight. Big one in Baton Rouge on Saturday. Did you know that LSU is 8-0 at home in its last eight 11 a.m. kickoffs? That streak ends this week. Sports Talk Mississippi. Odds makers closer than you might think. We'll be back. What do they want? Exciting news. Brace yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Ian Sturgis on the Ceasefire text line brings up a question that I don't really think we've talked about yet, but I think this is important. Ole Miss has scored three second half points in the last two games combined. 
Is it play calling or adjustments on the other side of the ball or a little bit of both? If this continues in the last six games, I smell trouble. Is all of the above fair? It's weird. Yeah. It is weird. It's, well, it, it's strange. In the second half against Kentucky, with Kentucky's style of play, if you think about it, Ole Miss had four possessions. Four. One of those four was three runs to intentionally bleed clock to force Kentucky to use timeouts. So if you want to include that, fine. But the other three, one of them ended in points, and another one ended at the four-yard line. And if a ref doesn't get in Judkins' way, it probably ends in a touchdown. It's just they didn't have many second-half possessions. Again, four of them, one of which was intentionally vanilla to force timeouts, and it ended up working. So they didn't get, it doesn't excuse it, but they did not get as many opportunities as you think a team would in the second half of a game because they had four possessions in 30 minutes of football. The going for it on fourth and goal thing and not taking points, not not kicking the field goal to make it a six-point game instead of a three-point game. Instead, you were attempting to make it a ten-point game instead of a three-point game, which is quite significant. What did you guys make of that? Did you agree with it in like real it. time? Did you think it was a bad call in real time? I thought it was a bad call. And, and, and I'm normally a, a you know, kind of an aggressive guy, and I know Kiffin, but your defense has played pretty well all day, right? feels like you, you, you feel, should feel pretty confident that you can keep him out of the end zone. you got to get the points there. You don't want to let a field goal tie you. Is it because the defense has played well throughout the day that you feel confident enough to go for it there? Well, I think if the game score had been 45-42, that Kiffin's still going for it there. It's just Kiffin. But (laughs) I I I remember watching it in real time. I was like, I would would kick here. And and look, you, you fast forward however many minutes of game time on the clock when Kentucky is driving with a minute and a half left and you're going... Sure would be nice if they had to score a touchdown instead of kick a field yeah. goal here. Or if they yeah. score a touchdown, it ties it, and extra points have not exactly it. been a sure thing for the Cats. Right. Yeah, a six-point lead would feel really good with their kicking game. I understand the logic, though. So, yeah. Because if you score, you end oh, the yeah. game. Game ends if you score right there. Over. Over. And if you don't get it, now, a field goal does tie, and, and, and that brings you to overtime, and maybe you win there, maybe you don't. But at least a field goal doesn't lose the game. And if they do go score, you would have had enough time to get the ball back to try to do the same. So I, I understand the logic. I mean, it's it sound and reason, and it's just up to debate whether or not to agree with it. Somebody says he didn't want to kick the field goal because he didn't want to kick off and give up another big return. Yeah, their return By game. By the way, Barry and Brown is good. Yeah, Kentucky uh, locked him up uh, in the recruiting game. A lot of people wanted that dude, and there's a good reason why. Yeah. Including Ole Miss and Alabama. Yeah, if that, big time that that one return, what was it like? A was an 85 yard return. So mm-hmm. Ole Miss goes up 14 nothing, and they kick to him. If that ball just sails through the back of the end zone, I mean, was Kentucky doing a full field drive on Ole Miss from there? Unlikely. I mean, if you get... always kick it through the end zone, there is never a reason to allow for a return. 
so just take the 25. I think one of those was an intentionally a short kick, and Brown didn't catch it the second time. It was a shorter kick. He did come up and catch it. Um, I don't know what the deal was because Jonathan Cruz has kicked it through the end zone like all season long. A part of it was wind. Like the wind picked up in the second half. I, I don't know if it was. I guess it was significant enough to have the ball be called at the goal line instead of eight yards deep. Anyway, just a couple of leftover thoughts from uh, always from kick Saturday. it out of the end zone. I just, I have no no time for it now. Just kick it out of the end zone. Is Kentucky just Texas A and M in blue and white with a little better quarterback and a little less overall talent? They're not soft. No, yeah, I, I think soft. that's an unfair characterization of what Mark Stoops has built. Yeah, that's a tough team. They grind. They play hard. They just they just lost. They just lost the game. A and M soft. You can put punch them in the mouth and they don't punch back. More sports talk, Mississippi. Now, now. Just, uh, I was just checking in on the table and uh, feeling really good about the way my cannons are playing uh, playing the old football. 7-0-1. Life. <laughs> Life is good. And then my, my secondary to team. TikToks. My, my secondary to team. The uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Whew, sitting there at third. I mean, we're looking at two Champions League teams which is going to be hard when they're both in the Champions League. Hey, Dad, how does it feel to pull for a team that uh, might be making its last Champions League appearance ever? I'm not too terribly uh, concerned about it. So who did you cheer for uh, Saturday when you got up early to watch the North London Derby? Come on, man. It's boom goes the cannons. <laughs> Are you telling me my Arsenal gunners? Boom I gotta send you that goes TikTok the cannons. Oh, yeah. God. I was glad to be able to watch this week. It's been three, four weeks since Chelsea's played with the Queen dying over there, screwing everything up. Yeah. How does outside looking in feel for uh, for Chelsea? I'm I mean, not too terribly great. worried you're about it. You're behind You're Brighton and the team without a trophy case, as you describe it. Well, <laughs> Chelsea will play an actual Champions League game tomorrow, so I'm, you know it'll be all right. <laughs> hey, you better enjoy it while you got it, because it ain't looking good for the future, yeah. bud. Sports Talk Mississippi. The only reason that I thought soccer is because during the break I saw you roll your eyes and look like you had indigestion, and like I thought, oh, I wonder uh-huh. if Chelsea's getting beat again. Nah, it's, they're playing tomorrow. <laughs> I can't. I was watching soccer earlier, but that wasn't why I rolled my eyes. Mm. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. You want to be a part of the conversation? You are welcome to join us on the ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. If a career is what you are looking for, ceasefire might be the place for you to look. They've got great opportunities. Great opportunities for you. They're searching for the ambitious, the curious, the norm breakers, the never settlers. 
They love to innovate and live to make technology faster, smarter, better, and more accessible every day. Work in the field of cutting-edge technology with one of the best mid-sized companies in the United States. That, according to Forbes, this is more than a job or a paycheck. It's an opportunity of a lifetime. Aspire to more. Go to cspire.com slash careers to apply today. We going coach audio here, Borky? I think we got time for, for one, yeah. Let's hear from the pirate Mike Leach. The uh, win on Saturday, Dylan was saying, Dylan Johnson was saying that there, uh, there was a more of an effort, I guess, to, to run the ball more this year, and obviously the numbers backed that up. Is that something that you guys saw in the off off season that maybe you, you thought was an opportunity to use the running game a bit more this year? Is that kind of a game by game basis where you've seen you know those type of results? Uh, we work on it all the time, anyway. I mean, the biggest thing you're trying to figure out the best way to move the ball, and you know that's all part of it. I I did think we needed to improve on it, and then. Uh, you know, really, just as far as uh, you know, I thought uh, I thought last year our backs were slow at hitting the hole, and I thought our you know our linemen didn't finish blocks at the second level, and we got to keep uh, getting better at that, and we got to we got to get better at it as it is, you know. Coach, after the win, uh, you entered the both major polls at number twenty-three. Uh, what, what is your opinion of, of polls, and uh, is it just a good conversation piece, or is it something you take pride in? I pretty much ignore them. Just try to go to the next one. Been busy, you know, watching film all night. So, and that'll happen again tonight. So I'm kind of preoccupied with that. There's no real, you know, stopping point on uh, the poll thing. So, um, you know, just uh, try to worry about what's right now and what you can control. And that's, uh, well, today it's put together the best game plan you can. Tomorrow it's. Uh, have the best practice you can, and so it goes, you know. Mike, K.J. Jefferson, uh, his status for this Saturday is uncertain after suffering an injury. <coughs> how does that kind of impact your preparation, and how more, much more difficult does it make things? Um, I don't know. I will look at, uh, well, first of all, the uh, you know, him we already know about, and then the, whoever's behind him, we'll see what they uh can do for sure. I don't know that he's out. An awful lot of times, uh, looks like somebody's out, and he, you know, comes in there, and uh, there isn't anything wrong with them. So um, <clears throat> we'll see. But I don't think they're going to change their whole offense, and it'd be difficult to do in a week, no matter who you're playing. So uh, it'll be pretty similar to what they do already, you know, because they can't just reteach everything. So far, this team has made a significant jump in terms of scoring touchdowns in the red zone. What do you think has led to that improvement, and what have you thought of the red zone performance this year? Well, I don't know. I mean, shoot, we've led in that before, too. Um, the uh, better than average, you know. I mean, as long as they're all touchdowns, I haven't looked at it for a while, but I don't think they are all touchdowns, so we can definitely improve, you know. Coach, back during training camp, you were asked about Ra-Ra, and you said he just needed to be more consistent. You know, two weeks ago, I think he had one catch, maybe a drop or two, and then last week had a really big game. What have you seen from him as far as that consistency goes this year? I think he's improving. I think he has to get more consistent. He has to be able to string together one good day of work after the next. And I also think that, uh, 
you know, sometimes uh, <clears throat> players need to understand the difference between being consistently good and occasionally great. I mean, it's easy to, you know, have a great play here or there and think, all right, well, that's it, and, you know, cruise along. And uh, But, that you know, the most valuable guy is the guy that's consistently good, the guy that you can count on every play. But uh, I think he's getting better, and I think that uh, – you know, he's uh, dangerous when he's got the ball. He's faster than he looks, and he's got a lot of range. Mike, you've talked about consistently a lot, consistency a lot with this team. What did you think of it uh, Saturday? And if it's good, is it easier to become more consistent? Is it easier to get in a routine that way? I hope so. I did think we were more consistent. We weren't, certainly weren't the whole time. I think that, um, uh, but when we did have adversity, if something went wrong on offense, defense picked us up. If something went wrong on defense, offense picked us up. Uh, and then I thought special teams figured in as well. So, you know, and that's what you want is you want to have complementary football where all phases are, you know, holding up their end. Coach, at, uh, Nick Jones, six foot two, but obviously he's been effective at left tackle. He's not your prototypical size at left tackle. What do you see from him that makes him so effective there? Uh, good feet. He's got good feet. Uh, you know, some guys just generate more power than others. He generates quite a bit of power. Uh, you know, long arms. I think, uh, uh, and then he's a guy that, uh, you know, is. Uh, pretty synchronized athletically he's not all choppy out there I mean he, he does things uh, smoothly and I think efficiently Mike I need to uh, get your thoughts on something it's my dad's birthday he's same age as you actually uh, he's not really much for gifts in terms of what he wants so it, it's kind of hard to you know, think about what to get him do you have any uh, recommendations for, for a good uh, birthday gift or something Oh shoot! I don't know. A day off. Um, the uh, I go on a road trip somewhere. Pick out some place cool. Go on a road trip. None of the boring stuff. Uh, you know, uh, no cell phones. Uh, find some cool spots to go and uh, take a drive. Eat at some great places. I'd say. Uh, Arkansas defensive coordinator Barry Odom, someone you faced plenty of times in your career. What have you kind of seen from Arkansas's defense this season? Is that kind of similar to what you've seen from Odom's defenses in the past? Yeah, I think it's similar. You know, he's got his uh, package that he's worked for years to, you know, refine and put together. And there's, you know, there's some changes here or there, I think, to accommodate the players he's got. And then, uh, but, you know, I don't think he's going to reinvent something new because he spent, uh, you know, well over a decade developing this one. So. I love the question about what to get your dad for birthday. You got a good answer from Mike Leach on that. So I'm going to point something out. <coughs> That's where I'm okay. going. That's where I'm Could going. You do that? So we had a question today on our podcast in our mailbag about how Leach did not clear his throat in the postgame interview with mm-hmm. Alyssa Lang where he started talking about her wedding, right? Right. I think he's only clearing his throat during the football questions. He did. I listened. He did not clear his throat one time in the question about the birthday. Okay. I think we're being trolled. We we've also got was this post game 
Or was this on Monday and we cut it out, Borky, the question about uh, top five items for an early morning tailgate? Yeah, that was today. Just didn't have. Okay. We'll check in on that when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, Mike Leach. Maybe he can entertain us because not everybody's entertained by his press conferences. We'll be right back. Sports Talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports Talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. with you let's test brian haydad's theory a minute 21 here of mike leach and then we will move on from sound bites brian haydad says that he has a theory that mike leach only clears his throat during football related questions this is not specifically a football related question off this week uh, what would be your top five items to take to an early morning kickoff tailgate hmm Big drink of water. Well, some will bring Bloody Marys, I imagine. Um, let's see, top five to the early morning, huh? Um, uh, probably a, a, a comfortable chair or lawn chair uh, to get a little sleep in before kickoff. Um, uh, you would definitely want, uh, you know, something good to eat, energize you, but that's quick and easy. Um, five, huh? Uh, shoot, I don't know. Um, yeah, well, you definitely want that. Definitely want that. Um, you know, definitely some level of stimulant. You need your sunglasses for sure. Um, and then, uh, uh, well, and now probably if if you're really having a good time, you're going to have a long after the tailgate uh, thing too, so you're definitely going to want a good uh, TV set up to, or somebody have one, or one of those screens out there on the lawn to watch the other games because you're going to be done before most. It feels like it's science. That was one minute twenty one seconds and nary a throat clear in a non football related question. He got gravelly a couple of times too and didn't do it. I'm telling you, we're on to something here. And, you know, we used to do the the weekly Mike Leach long before he was the head coach at Mississippi State. Yes. I guess the people at Washington State uh, had a little bit more creativity in question asking because every week we got something like that. And so we'd play it here. And I never remember hearing or, or thinking about editing because we only did audio at the time, cutting out the throat clears because they didn't happen. So, let me throw the same question to you that Mike Leach got there. On 11 a.m. kickoff, you're going to be part of an early morning tailgate. What are the five things you must bring to an early morning tailgate? Donuts. Bring some donuts, all right? That's something to eat while we're setting everything up. Go get a little sugar, get you you going for the day. Uh, coffee is probably a good idea. I'm not a coffee drinker, but most everybody else in the civilized world is. You can always put a splash of bourbon in that. 
that's the way you want to go. Uh, you do want to go ahead and get your TV taken care of early. You want to watch college game day while everything else is going on. Um, the chair is is a must because you might take a nap at some point. You know, get everything set up at eight. That's and you got four, two hours, and and then you know, I don't ever wear sunglasses, so that's something I would ever bring. Um, mm. I mean, because I just I have glasses. Yeah. Um, well, but those are like assumed on your person, though. Like that doesn't count as bringing I it guess, to the tailgate. Yeah. yeah um, I've got a different strategy. So, by the way, we're gonna maybe I, talk about this. I later. want another food. Is what yeah. I'm thinking. I want to like go to Chick Fil A and get a tray sausage of, uh, balls, of chicken minis, monkey sausage bread, coffee, sunglasses, TV. Those are your five. See, I like. I want to bring. I want to do the homemade food at the tailgate. So if I gotta have someone just to get me going, I don't mind getting something brought in. Yeah, but get used to these 11 a.m. games. Uh, we may talk about this today. It may get pushed to tomorrow. They are rating well. Spoiler alert: Ole Miss, Kentucky drew more viewers at 11 a.m. than Auburn, LSU did at six. So get used to it. I think you should skip the tailgate before the game. Here's what I mean by that. You, you set up, you do your thing, and you have coolers or whatever, and, and because people are, are crappy people, you got to lock it all up, get a chain lock, whatever, and post-game tailgate. So just take care of that in the morning. Don't force yourself to start drinking at 6.30 in the morning if you don't want to. Wake up, have your coffee, no. have your Bloody Marys, set the tailgate up, go to the game, and have your catering or whatever delivered at 3 o'clock. <laughs> don't, Hold on. Don't, don't force yourself to drink. Have your coffee and your Bloody Marys. Have your Bloody Marys. Well, but I'm talking but. at a more reasonable time, like 9.30. You know? if, you've got, if you've got a griddle that you can take with you, Ooh. you can start cooking early. You get the you know the eggs and the bacon going out there. That's 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 good stuff. I talked to people that that for the first time in a long time did the Grove thing. People from out of town, all that picked this game to go to this past weekend, and that's what they did. They didn't even go to their tailgate before the game because they did the setup company and stuff. They just did it for post game. Mm-hmm. It sounds like the strategy. You don't feel like you're rushed. You don't nothing. You just you wake up. You do it whatever you do at the hotel or, or wherever you're staying, and then just go to the game first and then party after the game. And it doesn't ruin your day. I have not had a. I have a home base Grove tailgating experience since Jane was an undergrad. She's a couple years younger than I am, and it was a big spread. Now, growing up, we did we we had a couple of other families that our family would do in the Grove. And for what was at the time the 11:40 kickoff on Jefferson Pilot, we did a two-tiered thing. We didn't say you got to skip it in the morning, so it was it was lighter fare for the early kickoff. And sausage balls and monkey bread were always a part of it. And I guess there was coffee there for people that at the time drank coffee. And then there would be like post game, and that was like a different set of food. So they're like there were two different meals associated with. The tailgating experience, which is a lot of work, right? I mean, there's a lot of planning that goes into that. That's a big day. That's a big day of preparation yeah. or day before in terms of preparation to get ready for that. But I think that's I kind the of ultimate experience days. if you're going to do that. I kind of miss those days of, of tailgating all day and, and having a big meal. And, and we did some breakfast tailgates. We did a, we used to do breakfast taco tailgates. Mm. Very easy, you know, bacon, eggs, sausage on the griddle, and some tortillas, you're good to go, some cheese. 
I think um, my mom makes I mean, the world's best monkey bread. So, well, I mean, you try it out. Well, okay. It's, this is all part of that Thanksgiving spread you're going to have for me on uh, on Thanksgiving Day, right? Ooh. Okay, maybe. You you are officially invited to have Thanksgiving lunch with us. I don't know if it will be are y'all our in the house. Grove or is this going to be at at, at State No, no, Cross no, it'll Manor. be at home. It'll 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 either, I okay. don't know if it'll be at our house or at my in-laws house, but you are invited to it. Woohoo. Is that you accepting an invitation? Gig, somebody said. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll okay. come. Okay. Sounds good. I'll have to uh, I'll have to let my my people know that you'll be there. They need an extra turkey now. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Uh, I, I'll let Jane know that I've invited Hayden to join us for, for Thanksgiving. Very good. I'll bring something, too. That'll be great. Um, All right. Borky, let, let's do the rating thing. We've got time to do that. Don't we? Yeah, sure. So the biggest draw of the entire day was the CBS 230 game. Alabama, Arkansas, $5.8 million. The second biggest draw of the day was ABC's Saturday Night Football at $4.7 million, NC State at Clemson. The third biggest draw of the day was Big News Saturday on Fox, $4.2 million for Michigan, Iowa. I think there's something that we have to point out here for a second. We know how good the SEC's contract is with ESPN. The three highest-rated games of the day were all on over-the-air broadcast networks. CBS, ABC, Fox. By the way, CBS, NBC, and Fox are the three entities that will be carrying Big Ten football when its new media rights deal kicks in. Yeah, and that was further exacerbated this weekend by a 3 a.m. news drop from Dish and Sling saying, we're in a carriage dispute, we don't have any ESPN this weekend. Sorry. Fourth most viewed game of the day on 11 a.m. Central Time kickoff, 2,791,000 for Kentucky and Ole Miss. 11 a.m. Which was about 40,000 viewers more than tuned in for LSU Auburn with a 6 o'clock Central Time kickoff on Saturday night. Yeah, And 80K more in, in the, the key demo. Uh, it's worth pointing out that of the top four, three of which were not in prime time, two of the top four last weekend kicked off at 11 a.m. Yep. And I think also worth picking uh, picking out of this, two of the top four and three of the top five were SEC games. There was one ACC game that was on ABC, the NC State-Clemson game, and there was the uh, the Michigan-Iowa game that was on Fox. But CBS... ESPN, ESPN, Alabama, Arkansas, Kentucky, Ole Miss, LSU, Auburn, three of the top five. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We'll be right back.
Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. <laughs> so we have a family group text message, hey, Dad? And I just sent a said, uh, I just invited Hayden to join us for Thanksgiving on the radio. Hope that's okay, everybody. Uh, my mom said, heard that. He sounded kind of tickled. And then I told him, and Brett Nor- Norsworthy is coming this year also. And Jane right. responded, my wife, Jane said, to our Thanksgiving? <laughs> and I said, well, yeah. She said, huh, sure. It's a party. All right, I'm in. Borky, come hey, on. If, if you want to join drive us, down why to not? Starkville, if you want to drive down to Starkville on Saturday, you can come to my Thanksgiving. I probably will be working on Saturday, but I do thank you but for the not. invitation. Yes, thank you. There you it's go. Very, very so, kind. I'll, I'll of bring me. something too. I'll, I'm, I won't show up empty-handed. I, will feel, I do feel compelled now that, like, I'm going to have to get back on the I'm smoking a turkey or two train with all of mm-hmm. these extra guests. As opposed, last couple of years so, we've, um, I mean. Everything is homemade, but we have done like the spiral cut ham from Honey Baked Ham and the the turkey already sliced from them. That's just good and it's easy. So, somebody on the text line said I need to bring a blueberry pie. Is that like an inside joke? Do you not like blueberries or something? No, you talked. Didn't you talk about making it? No, it was Borky that talked about making the blueberry pie a few. Yeah, Borky made the blueberry pie. Mm. Easy and awesome. Yeah. Okay. I'll see what Uh, I can do. Somebody says, please film that Thanksgiving. You're going to have to see it. It'll be content. Yeah, it'll be low key. It'll, it'll be wonderful. Uh, somebody says they had a quandary. I think people think I'm going to show up like with my face painted half maroon and white with three a cowbell in each hand. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to work that night. I'll, I'll be wearing neutral colors and be very muted. You don't even wear neutral colors on the radio. Why would you do the Egg Bowl? Uh, this is just—I'm just here today. I, I don't. When I go sit in the press box, I wear neutral colors. Uh, somebody says work, they have a sure. quandary and they need some help. Mississippi State in person at 11 a.m. and Delta State listening by cell phone at noon, or Delta State and Mississippi State on television from their couch. Go to a game. Go to the game. Go to a game. Go to the game. Yep. You got the ticket, obviously. Go to the game. And if you want to watch the Delta State game so that I mean, you can listen to it in real time and then go back and, uh, and watch it after the fact on demand, I think you won't, you, you won't regret that. <laughs> Somebody says I should show up with a bunch of Mississippi State-themed cookies. You could bring some cheese. Hmm? Some Edom we'll cheese. See. We'll see what I do. I'm going to uh, make something. I will make a dish. Oh, that's fine. Uh, let's. Uh, we heard from Mike Leach just a few minutes ago. Let's hear from Lane Kiffin as well. This was Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin in his Monday press conference yesterday. All right, so recap of the game. I think first off, you know, as I've you know mentioned, and, you know, the crowd was really to our advantage, which is what, you know, the goal has been. I mean, it impacts recruiting. You know, you hear it from recruits, what they say after games. 
not just what maybe you think when they watch on TV, but when they're here, and, and it impacted the game. I mean, there's three penalties on them on offense, two false starts, and really a legal shift that to me is a false start as well, um, not being set, that could be credited to the crowd. So, you know, you can say they won the game. So that's um, the way we want it to be. And so that's an awesome job. But like we tell our players, all right, do it again. So not getting ahead of this week, but the next home game, you know, walking up, just Kyle just said it was announced the same time, same network, same everything. So let's redo that from an atmosphere standpoint in the exact same way, regardless of what teams are ranked or any of that. Um, Because it dramatically impacts our program. You know, besides just the players I mentioned in recruiting, and and it's huge. So let's do it again. As far as the play on the field, our defense, you know, probably better than even felt it was. Um, Watching the film, we just missed some tackles, some poor tackling techniques, but really made a ton of significant plays, played extremely physical with really great effort. some high effort plays on there um, from sacks to the safety that was great to see and you know not a good offensive second half and we've got to close people out and regardless of rankings any of that like when you have a chance to finish off games and there may be even earlier than that you know go 14 nothing let a kickoff return give them all the momentum so there's tons of times in there where you can make a game so it's not close in the end and we, we did not do that and so you, know, you can't your analytics will catch up to you you know that way you know when you play a bunch of games like that that come down to one play here or there and um, you know that's not what you want to do but glad that we won glad that we were able to show them today how this could have went other ways and why we've got to get better in all these areas awards uh, Q was freshman of the week he said and uh, he did play well and um, and Micah was the offensive lineman of the week which I don't know how they come up with that but you know they got that right as far as he did play great for a first start he played great whether it was first start or not really physical the way we talk about straining to finish finishing people um, you know with a violent attitude and that was awesome to see. So we pointed him out today in the film, told our players again, this is how you're supposed to do in this program. You know, you work hard, you know, you wait for your turn, you don't complain, you know, and um, the guy did exactly that. And his turn came up and he made the most of it. You talked a little bit about it after the game and, and some just now, but having watched the film back, what did you see from the offensive perspective? What kind of led to the struggles in that second half? Well, there's some red zone, um, which actually is, you know, a year ago was an issue. You know, we were very poor in the red zone, even though we scored a lot of points um, for the season. And we had done really good in the red zone this year. And so, you know, not finishing off drives. um, You know, we got a number of plays where it's just one thing here or there. And, you know, some, some... some more runs can really break if we're just patient with them and, and hit where they're supposed to go and and you know we gotta finish off drives. And I'm not complaining about it. There's games that 
you know, you get breaks. And there's games you don't get breaks. And from the referee part, you know, we didn't, a lot of things went against us. So, um, very close calls that can go either way. And you're going to have some games where you benefit from that. So, um, you know, we've, we've got to not leave it up to that and, you know, make the plays ourselves. You mentioned Micah Pettis. I'm just curious, where has he kind of developed the most since he got here, and what has he done, I guess, recently to kind of put himself in the spot that he's in now? Yeah, probably as big a development as we've been around over a year um, from a guy that came here red-shirted, looked a long ways away from playing a year ago, and, you know, I asked him this summer when he was doing so much better, you know, early in camp, he looked so much better. He just said he... You know, like a lot of these kids, it's the first time in his life not playing and not traveling and, you know, just reflected on all of his habits and work ethic and and just completely changed himself um, mentally and physically. And it's awesome to see. I mean, not too many times, you know, you got two freshman tackles and, you know, the guy has to make his first start in a big SEC game and play that well. Wayne, you guys brought Caleb in late in the first half. We were having some struggle with um, snaps. How big of a concern is that kind of moving forward, developing some depth at that position with him obviously not being completely 100%? Yeah, he he was not 100%. Um, He was kind of in emergency-only situation, and the snaps kind of put us in that situation. Now he did. We obviously communicated with him. He felt really good in warm-ups after not really doing anything all week. And you know, said he was ready to go, and so um, he went in there not 100%. But, you know, even with him, the snaps have been an issue. They were definitely an issue in the game, and that's hard to play quarterback. I mean, there's some things where, you know, we want to get down on him on reading a play, and he's got to read then whether to give the ball for a touchdown or not. And then, But when you watch it, he's down here looking for the ball. So um, the snaps are very important. I think we did something today that I think will help. See if it does Saturday. We'll see what that something that they did to help the snaps is on Saturday when Ole Miss goes to Vanderbilt. I, is it crazy to say that half of the snaps Jackson Dart had to bend over at the waist and try and get it, you know, somewhere between the kneecap and the ankles? It might be more. It was really bad. Really bad. Also, That's did I hard. hear a strain? Did, did he say strain? I had a flashback there. Did he say that? I, I missed it if he did. He said strain. Hmm. I, I can't imagine if you are in an RPO-based offense where everything you're doing is based on reading what the defense does, and before you can begin that process, you have to take your eyes and look down at your feet to find the football that's supposed to be coming like middle of your chest, and you have to do that on basically every other play, and you don't know snap to snap which one's going to be in the chest. And which one's going to be at your ankles? That's tough. I got to figure that out. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here we we go. go. Super Talk Mississippi.
Sports Talk Mississippi, final segment of the 4 o'clock hour with you, brought to you by Jim Cantori. Saturday in Starkville, high of 74, low of 43. Friday's low is 51, and so what, game time kickoff, we're saying 62 degrees? Lovely. Maybe Terrific. 65 at kickoff? Maybe. It says Maybe. partly cloudy. Partly cloudy skies. So you may not get that sun is baking to uh, to warm you up. A little north Good. of Starkville in Nashville where Ole Miss and Vanderbilt will play at 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. High of 68 and sunny. Wind out of the north at 11 miles an hour. Low on Saturday night of 41. And so as it gets deeper into that ball game, it's not going to be dark when it finishes. Uh, maybe at the very end of the game it'll be dark. But the sun will, you know, be setting off to the west and um, you won't be bathed in sunlight in the stadium It'll be chilly. So, what, 68 at kickoff, probably mid-50s at the end of that game? So are you are you in Nashville, or you got an ESPN assignment this weekend? In Cincinnati, Ohio, where I will be at Nippert Stadium <laughs> on Saturday, <laughs> oh. high of 60 and a low Saturday night of 35. Ooh. What time is your game? 2.30 Central. It's a 1.30... No, no, I'm sorry. All right. It's a 2.30 Eastern time kickoff. So one, Okay, so you're not going to be suffering through that 35 part of that thing. No, no, no. Okay. Homecoming at Cincinnati. Cincinnati and who? Nippert Stadium. Uh, South Florida. Okay. Yeah. All right, good game. Yeah. South Florida's 1-4. Oh, you got a ranked team. Yeah, they've, they've shown signs of life. Cincinnati off to a 4-1 and one start, homecoming there. So, uh, yeah, it'll be yeah. fun. I, it's always cool to see a new place. And I've seen that yeah. four times this year. First game in person at That's UCF. Cool. I guess South Florida was not a new place. I'd been to Raymond James before for the Outback Bowl a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. Had been to Memphis. Greenville, North Carolina was the first time. ECU. That's a really cool stadium. Mm-hmm. Really nice setup there, and uh, then uh, Cincinnati this week. So yeah, some some new spots for me. So and it's going to be good all over the yeah. country for college football this weekend. Perfect weather, no doubt. Perfect. It, interesting challenges this week upcoming for for State and Ole Miss. They're similar, but obviously one team or one opponent is significantly more talented than the other. But still, I mean, Arkansas's reeling a little bit. It feels like you, State can kind of deliver a kill shot this weekend. But you get big wins, right? This is Ole Miss's first real opponent of the season. Big emotional win. You get the strip sack to seal the game, all that stuff. Now you got to go to Vanderbilt, where you will have half the fans in attendance, maybe even more. And it's a bad Vanderbilt team. And yes, they look better on film, but every single player on Ole Miss's roster knows that they're better than the guy across from them. Every single one. And then for State, you get this big win, this dominating win where you played well in all facets of the game except for penalties, where the penalty yard discrepancy was like 120 or something like that. Big. It's big. So in comes Arkansas, and it's in the morning. 
and it should be a great environment, which might help pick the team up. But how do how do these teams respond after big wins? I imagine it's easier to get state's attention because Arkansas is a better football team than Vanderbilt. But still, the challenges of getting back up. You win this big game for Ole Miss. Getting back up to play a Vanderbilt team that's not just going to lay down and quit like you've seen Vanderbilt teams in the past. For State, getting back up. You play the best football you've played in a while. Can you go do it again? Because if you don't, Arkansas can still beat you. I think it's a bigger challenge for Ole Miss because they're going to be playing in a probably a half-empty stadium on the road against Vanderbilt. It's tough to get back up after the emotion of that game. State should have a big crowd to help carry them through that. Mm-hmm. And I think State kind of knew going into this season, this is the, this is the swing, is these, these two games at home. you yeah. got to win them both. A couple of things. One, Vanderbilt does not typically lay down for Ole Miss. We've seen Vanderbilt lay down. Usually it happens late in the season when they're just super outmatched. Vanderbilt plays hard against Ole Miss every year. Two, I don't think Ole Miss has to get all the way back up for Vanderbilt, but you better not just feel like it's one of those games where you can roll out the helmets and you get a win. Ole Miss got to show up and play. They're not good enough to, to do that. They're, they're not Alabama, Georgia. I mean, good grief. We saw it with Georgia this weekend. It was almost like Georgia thought they could just roll the, the red G helmets out in Columbia, Missouri and walk out with a win, and they had to shift it into another gear and finally get it done in the fourth quarter. I completely agree about Mississippi State. That crowd's not going to let them be down. To me, next weekend is the issue for Mississippi State. It's not this weekend against Arkansas. Yeah. I think Mississippi State's going to win against Arkansas. I think Mississippi State is walking into an absolute hornet's nest in Lexington next Saturday night. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. 5 o'clock hour, college football fix. David Cobb from CBS Sports is next. Mississippi. Hey, it's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. To start the 5 o'clock hour, let's go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. David Cobb joins us. He writes at cbssports.com. You can, uh, I think, from time to time, catch him doing some hits on CBS Sports HQ as well. David Cobb covers hoops, but right now he is in the middle of covering college football. David, what's up, my man? Hey, uh, not a whole lot. Just uh, enjoying what's been a, a wonderful college football season so far. It's been especially great for you guys down there in Mississippi. It's been really good so far. So bigger picture question. Somebody sent us a message earlier today on the ceasefire text line that says, yes, it's been great, but when it's all said and done and the dust clears, we're going to end up with the same four teams in the playoff. Do, do you buy that, or is this a year where – Something weird happens, and maybe we get a little fl- fresh blood at the end of the season. Oh, I definitely think there's a pretty good chance we'll get at least three of the uh, of the four end up being predictable and blue bloods. But it feels like the journey to get there is is going to feature some drama. In fact, it already has. All you got to do is look back on Saturday and see how close Georgia came to losing what would have been an absolute stunner. At Missouri, and that game starts out the night as being what probably number four or five on the on the pecking order for most fans who are 
figuring out what they're going to watch. Uh, and then it turns out to be a must-see TV type of situation. And then you got Alabama struggling, you know, at Texas as well. That They were vulnerable there. And yeah. Ohio State getting tested week one against Notre Dame. So, so those three who most people view as ironclad at, at the top, all three of them have already been tested. And so uh, I think ultimately I would pick all three of those to make the playoff, and that's kind of lame. And I'm fatigued of that as well, which is why I'm an advocate of expansion. But I at least appreciate the fact that they're injecting some drama into what feels like an inevitability with, with some of these teams near the top of the rankings. David, the way this season has gone, and, and you mentioned it just a second ago, makes me so excited for the 12-team playoff. And look, if, if, we, if we go to that model and we still end up with the same three, four, five teams kind of in the semifinals and championship game, I'm okay with that. But, but the argument that people continue to throw out about a 12-team playoff devaluing the regular season makes me wonder what those people have functioning inside their skull between their ears because it makes no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, the thing is it would make so many more games have such higher stakes throughout late October into November when in the four-team format you pretty much know that you're down to a six or maybe seven who have a chance by the time November rolls around. I mean, they're still going to be 25 or 30 teams yes. feel like they have a shot to make the 12-team playoff come November. And then there will be a whole lot more who are trying to play the, the role of spoiler as well uh, when you have these rivalry games toward the end of the season. So I think that makes it fun. And then there is still something to play for if you're one of those top three or four teams who pretty much know that, that you're getting in because you want to have a buy. You want to have a home field advantage. And those are things that, that uh, the 12-team proposal uh, would, would have. And so you, you would still have incentive to put your best foot forward, even uh, the last game or two of the year. David, same question for the two games that were in Mississippi this past weekend. Let's do Mississippi State, Texas A&M first. Who did you take more away from the game about? About Texas A&M or about Mississippi State based on what you saw? Uh, Mississippi State, absolutely, really without a doubt. And we, we know that, that Texas A&M, their offense is, is weak. It's not a, a good Jimbo Fisher offense, not by any stretch. No Jameis Winston out there playing quarterback for the Aggies. But I've just been continued to be impressed with the Mississippi State defense because, look, when you play the style of offense that Mississippi State does, the air raid style, uh, defense sometimes uh, can be uh, forgotten. And, and it's not necessarily easy to coordinate a stingy defense uh, when so much of the, the emphasis is on the offensive side of the ball. And I think Zach Arnett is quietly one of the more underrated coordinators in the country. And, and every time you look up, uh, it's like there's a Mississippi State player swarming to the football. And, and that's a really good unit uh, for the Bulldogs, I think. And uh, So that's probably what stood out to me, impressed me the most. You know, they, they obviously they excelled in special teams. So, I think there's maybe a misconception out there with Mike Leach and, and, and this Mississippi State team that, you know, it's, it's Will Rogers and, and, and it's the air raid. Sure, you know, maybe that's what people know them for, but I think their defense is really good, and, and, and the special teams obviously popped in a big wave for them on Saturday. Same question for the Ole Miss-Kentucky game where Ole Miss came out on top in a close game. Did you take more away from that game about Ole Miss or about Kentucky? Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss, they come out as as victors in a game against a top-ten opponent, 
And Kentucky really kind of uh, they were they were who I thought they were in that game. But Ole Miss hadn't played anybody. <laughs> yeah, Kentucky had gone on the road and beaten Florida. And say what you will about the Gators, but it's still impressive to go on the road in the SEC and win in an environment like that. So the Wildcats have been tested. I felt like I knew who they were. Uh, Ole Miss had not been tested, not, at least not in my opinion. I know, I know Tulsa is a decent American uh, team, but but you know this was far and away the biggest test that the Rebels had faced. And, and the fact that they won it with their defense, the fact that they won it on the ground, again, it's countering these uh, perceptions nationally about Mike Leach and, and Lane Kiffin, that they're offensive, passing-oriented teams. And, and you go look at Ole Miss right now, they're in the top ten in the country in both rushing offense and then total defense as well. And neither of those things are, are maybe things that you would expect from Ole Miss. Looking ahead to this weekend, it appears as if Arkansas is a little bit of a walking wounded team at this point. Do the Razorbacks have a chance in Starkville on Saturday? Oh, uh, yes. I, I never count out uh, this Arkansas team. I mean, they showed us who they were after falling down, you know, four touchdowns against Alabama. I mean, people were leaving that game in the first half. They were, they were exiting the stadium because they didn't think there was any hope. And Arkansas managed to come back and make that a game. And, of course, some of that may have had to do with the fact that, that Bryce Young was not playing. That certainly helped, but it still took a, a certain level of belief, a certain level of, of talent, and, and just uh, fortitude, culture, all these things we associate with Sam Pittman, uh, for them to get back into that ball game. And they fell short in the end, but I thought they showed us who they were by the fact that they battled back into that game. And the SEC West this year, I just don't think you can count anyone out. And I think Arkansas has got that kind of culture, that kind of buy-in, that they're going to bring it every week. So, I mean, that's a big number right now. It's, I think it's around eight. Uh, Arkansas is a big underdog this week. And honestly, I think they kind of got them right where they want them. Like, I think, I think this is the kind of situation where Arkansas thrives. Because, yeah, but, you know, but don't you think the big question year, is whether or not expecting. K.J. Jefferson is going to play? Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously that's – yeah, we'll see. It seems like every, every uh, Monday uh, press conference yesterday with, with a quarterback that had any sort of injury situation, it was, oh, you know, he's day-to-day. He's day-to-day. Mm. Uh, I guess that's just kind of the de facto uh, answer now for, for quarterbacks. Uh, we don't want to tip our hand. Uh, yeah, that's a huge part of it. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll see We'll see what ends up happening there. But, you know, I just I, – I'm, I'm still a believer in, in the Razorbacks. I'll say that. Last one I want to ask you about, uh, Tennessee heading to Baton Rouge. It's been a long time since uh, those two teams have played each other in Baton Rouge. We still see that with this east-west unbalanced schedule thing, and hopefully that's going to be fixed when the new SEC scheduling model comes out. Everything feels like this should be Tennessee with the way they've played. And yet, we look at LSU and go, I don't know if they're that good, but Brian Kelly's got them 4-1. and one. What do you anticipate in Baton Rouge on Saturday? Yeah, I think people are seeing the eight next to Tennessee's name, and maybe the, the expectations there are getting a little out of hand. I mean, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an alum, used to cover the team. Uh, I've got a couple of group chats going with diehard fans, and, and they're all getting on this bandwagon of, well, anything less than, than 10 and 2 is a disappointment this season. And I'm like, guys, you need to hold on and pump the brakes a little bit here because this is year two under Josh Heupel, after he walked into a horrendous situation that he inherited from Jeremy Pruitt, 
And now, now you're acting like you're going to be disappointed if Tennessee doesn't go on the road and beat a ranked LSU team. I mean, I understand they're favored. I understand they're capable of winning the game. But I think what we're seeing with LSU is a team that every week is getting better. And maybe nationally they were tuned out a bit after losing to Florida State. But, but Brian Kelly has this team getting better every single week. And those wins over Mississippi State and Auburn are, are nothing to laugh at because anytime you get a win in the SEC West this season, it generally means you're doing something right. So this is going to be a tough spot for Tennessee, especially when you look at the way their defense sets up. I mean, Anthony Richardson just went crazy on them. And I know Jalen Daniels is not a, a, a big-time thrower, uh, but he might be able to have some success through the air against that Tennessee defense. If I said you have to bet $100 of your own money for Tennessee to either go 10-2 and two or better or worse than 10-2, and two, which side would you take? Uh, I, I would go worse. I, I think they, really? there's a pretty good chance they slip up against somebody other than Alabama and Georgia. Look, they still have to play Kentucky. They still have to play LSU this week. And then you, you know, look at Missouri and how, how much better their defense is uh, from a year ago. So uh, there's just no guarantees. The, the thing that scares me a little bit about Tennessee is just how reliant they are on Hendon Hooker. Uh, it, it, you could say it's like, you know, we've talked about this before, but it's kind of like how reliant Ole, Ole Miss was on Matt Corral last season. And the Rebels have done a phenomenal job to kind of move past that and become a complete team this year. But we saw in the bowl game, you know, sort of how things went when he was not out there. And that's how things would be for Tennessee if Hendon Hooker, you know, hasn't had to miss a game due to injury. So uh, the the maximum potential that is there for Tennessee to go 10-2, and two, it's within the realm of possibility, but it's far from a given at this point. Great stuff, David. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. No problem. Thank you. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Tuesday afternoon, the 4th of October. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. Visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. Thanks, as always, for being with us. You can join us on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the best opportunity to succeed? Well, uh, give it the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world class IT experts who live where you do, right here in Ceasefire country. Check availability now at ceasefire.com slash business. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. They've got New pullovers this year. So they, they've still got the, the lightweight performance fabric pullovers and solids, and they've got them in some really cool, thin pinstripe colors. They've also got a slightly heavier weight pullover now in uh, in some softer solid colors that is absolutely perfect for these f- cool fall mornings and evenings. You can find those online at genteelapparel.com, or you can visit a men's specialty store 
uh, throughout the state of Mississippi. Got a bunch of those out there. Uh, you can visit Landry's on the square in Oxford. They've been carrying Genteel since the very beginning. Try Kincaid's Fine Clothing in Ridgeland, Mississippi. So just north of Jackson, Kincaid's. Actually visited with Keith Kincaid yesterday a little bit. Great conversation with him. You can go to Reed's in Starkville, Randy Price and Company in Hattiesburg, or Abraham's in Indianola to get Genteel Apparel, or of course online at genteelapparel.com. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. The new F-150s are rolling out. That's the 2023 model. 45 straight years. That's how long F-Series has been the number one selling truck in America. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. Lines for games involving SEC teams this weekend. First of all, what you guys think about David and his thoughts on LSU, Tennessee? He said, wouldn't be surprised to see Tennessee get upset. He thinks LSU is getting better every week. Tennessee goes into Baton Rouge as a three-point favorite over the Bayou Bengals. I disagree. <laughs> I think Tennessee is playing really good football right now. I think Hendon Hooker is playing incredible football right now. I fully expect them to go down there and beat LSU pretty easily. And I think they have a real, live, real, real chance next weekend against Alabama. Ooh. The only issue with Tennessee, and you know, Daniels is not not the guy that can exploit this. I just get a kick out of watching Brian Kelly yell at him when he comes off the field because he didn't throw an accurate pass when he's ex- somehow expecting him to throw them. It, it blows my mind, but Arkansas is the worst pass defense in the SEC. Tennessee's second worst. Their, their numbers are are quite bad for a team that's undefeated and winning games the way that they are. They are susceptible to giving up big plays and a bunch of yards in the back end of their defense. But can LSU and Daniels exploit that? Probably not, but the personnel is there for them to do it. They just need a guy that can distribute the football. I, something's got to give here. If LSU is going to beat anybody throwing the football, this is the weekend for them to do it. I don't think they will, but this is the one for them to do it. Our good friend Amanda down in Pike County says it's going to be ugly. Now, I don't know. I have trouble sometimes... Knowing if Amanda no, is no. trying to drop a little no, no, Amanda. jinx. She's the queen of it. She did it to me for the Mississippi State game. I wouldn't let her do it. And it panned out exactly how I thought it would. She's mm. doing it again. Okay. Amanda's down there close to LSU country as well, down in Pike County. I guess maybe lives in Macomb or somewhere close by. Anyway, um... Yeah, I, I think that's what she's doing. I, I think she's employing the Brian Haydad. That's Set exactly yourself up for disappointment so that you can be pleasantly surprised but not actually disappointed. Absolutely. That's the way to go. The line in the Mississippi State-Arkansas game has settled. Opened, what, at about six and a half? Maybe even, I, I think, no, let's see. It originally opened at three and a half and almost immediately jumped to six and a half and then it jumped to eight and a half and now it's come back down to eight. Is that right? 
Or did I make up the three-and-a-half part? The three-and-a-half, I think, was like that early Vegas insider thing that's usually never really accurate. Yeah. Okay. So it opened at six-and-a-half from the reputable stuff. All right, so from six-and-a-half to eight-and-a-half, and now back down to eight. But I will say, if they decide, if they announce between now and kickoff that Jefferson is out, you could see it. It would probably continue to go up. You might get to a point where if it's like ten, you could stink. You, I could come on here and say like, I still think State's going to win, but I'll take Arkansas on the points. I think Arkansas will have significant problems scoring if KJ Jefferson doesn't play. I do like, too. Significant. I do too. Because Malik Hornsby can't throw it, and I'm not sure that the walk-on transfer from South Florida is much of an answer either. No, I, it, they'll get creative, I assume. If they decide to go with Hornsby, but what what a fascinating issue that Arkansas has on their hands right now. Because although Sam Pittman wouldn't say it was concussion protocol, that's what everybody's saying it is. Um, And you have this situation with Miami now. It's the NFL versus college. It's it's different. But what happens if that is what happened with KJ Jefferson and he is in concussion protocol? And he comes out of concussion protocol, and you run him twenty times, and he gets another one. Yeah. The well, world's football, watching this stuff. Right they, now. they are, but football is also a physical game. I mean, if he's cleared by your doctors, mm-hmm. you're going to play him. Period. Yeah. If KJ Jefferson is cleared, and and I don't feel like anybody's really messing around with their concussion protocol. You're either cleared and out of concussion protocol, or you're not. Not like a well, you know, he's he's at eighty five percent. Let's give it a go. I, I don't think anybody's rolling the dice with that. But if they say he's hit the hit the benchmarks necessary to be cleared, then he's cleared. And if he's cleared, he's going to play. Also, I agree with one thing David did say, and that's Sam Pittman coach team not going to give up, not going to quit, just come in here and lay down. They're going to play hard. They're going to make okay. it tough on Mississippi State no matter what. So. It can't be a situation like you were you were saying where they just come in and just like okay, we're just going to try to go through the motions and still win. They're down bad though right now. Injuries everywhere. I mean, yeah. effort's a great thing, and I expect them to play with it. But effort only takes you so far because people always say, "What would you rather have, a five star player or a guy with a five star heart?" I'd rather have a five star player with a five star heart. Five star player. Is what I would. I'd take a five-star player with a three-star heart. Yeah, I can. I can motivate them. I can't. I can't inject them with more talent. And I know the air raid is. It's a little bit different. It's more short passing. That that's part of it. And that's why I get a kick out of people pushing back on. Oh, they're not only short passes. The offense is mostly short passing game. I mean, that's kind of what it a lot is. Of short passes. Um, but Arkansas secondary notably is quite bad. And even if they are schemed well, can they execute the scheme? Can, can they do it? I thought I had the thought today, Borky, that you know last week State against AM, they really worked the short passing early, but by the end of the game, they're throwing the ball down the field. It could be the other way around this week. It could be you know that secondary is bad, so let's take some chances early, see if you can't hit some big plays over the top, and then you come back in the second half and you're just grinding them to death. Those two drives in the second half of the A and M game, back to back, the it what felt like a thirty-five play drive followed by a one-play drive was was exactly what you have <laughs> we begged didn't this talk offense about this. to be forever. 
State in the first quarter had a 16-play, 49-yard drive that took eight minutes off the clock and ended with a punt from the 43. That is magic. (laughs) I don't even know how that's possible. It's kind of gross. It's Army West Point that's right like, there is what that like, is. Did somebody take me back in time to 2005? Are we Is Maroon that all that matters again? What's going on here? We're doing things the right way. Doesn't it kind of feel like there's no in-between also? You're either a team that plays fast and snaps it like every 16 seconds, mm-hmm. or you're a team that snaps it every 32 seconds. State, State worked in a little tempo Saturday. Uh, in the second quarter, when they when they got the the fourteen nothing lead, they had a, they were going to the line a little bit quicker. But yeah, for the most part, state takes its time. Ole Miss, how quick can we go? Yeah, not uh, not so much. And then when Ole Miss tries to slow it down, like they did at the end of the game, trying to kind of grind it out and bleed clock, it yeah. tends to not work. work as well. It's like a shotgun team going under center. You don't practice it. We'll look at the uh, the rest of the lines involving SEC teams when we come back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. With you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's keep looking at the lines involving SEC teams. We uh, we checked in on Tennessee as a favorite in Baton Rouge, Arkansas, and Mississippi State with the Bulldogs favored by eight at home. Florida Gators, an 11 point favorite over Missouri. Should we be giving Missouri credit? For playing well enough but not being able to get it done on the road in a hostile environment against Auburn and then turning around and playing well enough and not being able to get it done against the number one team in the country in Georgia? Or are we still all right when we look at Missouri and go, they're not good? Yes. Okay. Yes. You're right. I think, well, if I, I was... It's- Go ahead, go ahead. If I was a Missouri fan, I think this weekend would be a good indicator of, of truly what I have in Drinkwoods. Yeah, I agree. Because overcoming how they lost to Georgia has got to be emotionally... and, and I mean, they, Auburn before Georgia. So they were... They scored the game-winning touchdown. But the guy dropped it on the way in. And then the next yeah. week you've got Georgia completely on the ropes and you let him off the hook. And missed the game-winning field goal. Like I just missed it. I mean, yeah. that's not Drinkwitz's fault. Mm-hmm. So how do and they then, perform this week? By the way, week? followed it up with a five-for-five-week kicking field goals, where three of them were like forty-eight yeah. yards or longer. Yeah. Objectively great kicker. They you know? fixed it. Yeah. Um, so, so so how do they perform this week? We'll say a lot. That said, that line is not touchable for me. I don't. I have no idea which way it'll go, and I don't like it. I think it's too many points, but at the same time, I don't trust Missouri. Yeah, gross line. Please Short don't put it in the games Florida, to pick. After playing on Sunday against Eastern Washington, which probably kind of throws everything a little bit off, it's just yeah. weird all the way around. 
That's a that's a strange one. This one is a little a little strange too. Georgia and Auburn has been a rivalry for a really long time. It's almost as if it's the Deep South's oldest or something. I'm about to say, please make that joke. Georgia just escaped Columbia, Missouri with a win. We know Auburn's not good. But they haven't had the complete meltdown yet. Georgia has not played well its last two games. Certainly not up to the standard of which it is capable. Georgia's favored by 30. That is a big number against a team not named Vanderbilt, with apologies. That's a big number for a MAC team. I mean, they only beat Kent State by 17. And yet, so, I kind of feel comfortable laying 30 with Georgia this week. Yeah, I feel like Georgia's going to make a statement this week. They're like, all right, you thought we were down. We're if not. they don't, then you start something wondering. Something to be concerned about with Georgia. Yeah. You start wondering about those games with Tennessee and with uh, with Florida, I guess, a little bit because that's a rivalry game. And I mean, if they play like they played against Missouri in Starkville, they're going to lose. Kentucky in Kentucky Lexington. too. Yeah, they got to go to Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not worried about Georgia Tech at the end. I'm sorry. I'm uh, no. Yeah, yeah. Georgia. That is at Kentucky on November nineteenth. It's the week it after could, they're in Starkville. It might snow too that day. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a tough stretch at Starkville at Lexington. Yeah. On the heels of cocktail party in Tennessee. Oh wow, that's a tough stretch. That has all of a sudden gotten to like you're looking at that going. They will be doing well to escape unscathed. Yeah. And and who would have thought that just a short time ago? No, not not even two weeks ago. Ole Miss on the road laying eighteen against Vanderbilt. I have no idea. I'm convinced that Bruce and Lee will come on here and tell us for the third week in a row to to that take Ole Miss the points. is going to win, but take the points. But take the points. Yeah, eighteen and a half's a lot for a team. They can't score in the second half for whatever reason. That's why I kind of feel like they're going to emphasize trying this time. Would you lay those points today, Borky? Yes. Vandy coming off an open date? Yeah, which I don't know if that really means much. (laughs) I would take. I would take the points. I'll, I'll take Vandy and the points. Kentucky is giving up ten and a half at home. Emotional loss, I don't care. South Carolina's bad. They are bad. They're not great. I really thought Rattler would improve them, and he just hasn't. It's because he's not great. But I, I done been trying to tell y'all. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> he's finally a Mississippian. Did I you know, hear that right? sentence? Oh, man, you know, don't bat a thousand, but I I knew that one from the jump that didn't pass the smell test. All these pundits, oh, well, Rattler, he's going to be so good there. And I mean, people were were talking about him in in draft stock. He was in the most quarterback-friendly system in college football. 
and wasn't good. And you take him out of that and put him in South Carolina with roster deficiencies, and guess what? He's not good. He flashes talent-wise, but he's one of those guys, like you look at quarterbacks, right? Could you imagine if Will Rogers, when he got his first start, was still the Will Rogers, that Will Rogers today? He wouldn't be starting at Mississippi State anymore. He wouldn't be the starting quarterback anymore. Could you imagine if Matt Corral never got better from 2019 to 2021? Ole Miss doesn't win 10 games last year. They'd win six. Hmm. He hasn't done that improvement. He has not periodically gotten better throughout his career. Okay, so let me ask you this, though. So let's say Kentucky wins at home against South Carolina. Do you look at the remainder of South Carolina's schedule? Because they're 3-2 and two right now. After the open date, they've got A&M and then Missouri and then a road trip to Vandy. Then they finish up with Florida, Tennessee, Clemson, two of the three on the road. Did they go a stretch where they beat A&M, Missouri, and Vanderbilt and then lose their last three and just have kind of a ho-hum six-and-six year? Are they going to lose that game to A&M and have a fight with Missouri and probably beat Vanderbilt? But we just don't know, do we? Dude, I I think... I'm down on South Carolina probably too much. They had to score a game-winning touchdown drive to beat Vanderbilt at home last year. Yeah, you're right. But we didn't expect... We thought South Carolina's roster was awful last year. We didn't bat an eye about the way they had to win that game a season ago. But I, I wouldn't put it past them to lose that one either. Okay. So you don't think they're pulling that upset at home against A&M on... October 22nd, that causes the A&M people to really, really think about what they want to do? Can and will are two different things. A&M's significantly more talented than them, but have they laid down by that point? Because you you said it earlier, that they're soft. They are S-A-W-F-T soft. Soft. That is Texas A&M. And, and, man, when they get their brains beaten in this weekend, because that's what's going to happen, and they, they pile up a couple of losses, you think they're still locked in and engaged And by, by then? The, the thought of South Carolina beating Texas A&M is titillating. It's it's just it's it just it sends bubbles down my back. I just I just I just want to I just want to see it. Hey Ned, have you read Jimbo Fisher's coaching bio? Uh, no. So there's an interesting line in there that says his favorite college baseball team is Georgia Tech. No, no. I got you, Sherman Soft. I got you, hook, line, and sinker on that one. All right, so ah. Bama. 24-point favorite in T-Town against A&M Saturday night. Don't care about the health of Bryce Young. I I love Alabama here. Prediction? Pain. You you think Nick Saban forgot? I don't usually like doing the, oh, Saban's mad, he's going to punish people. I think that's that's usually overblown. In this case, you think he's forgotten? What was said about him in a press conference? You think he's forgotten about that? Sometimes you have to make an example out of people. Look, 
I know they've made nice publicly. I know they've said bad things. Jimbo Fisher publicly threatened Nick Saban. He said publicly, I know where all the bodies are buried, and if any of you would just ask, you'd know too. Now, what nobody was willing to ask was, hey, Jimbo, since you know where all the bodies are buried and you feel like you're talking big right now, why don't you just tell us? Nobody did that. Not with that media. I mean, you weren't going to ask Jim Jones who the Kool-Aid supplier was either. In fact, let's hear from Nick Saban when we come back. He's mad right now. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Mississippi on this Tuesday afternoon. Nick Saban, he he was disgruntled after Alabama's win last week against Arkansas. Did not like the uh, the line of questioning from the on-field reporter from CBS. Jenny Taft, is that who it is? I think. I think that's who it is now. Didn't really like it at halftime either. No, he was looking to be mad. And and you'll hear in this clip. So for context, if you can't hear the questions, he was asked about a package for the backup if Bryce Young can play, and then he goes into a rant. So the questions are hard to hear. Just that in context there. Nick Saban, yesterday. Jalen Merrill's unique skill set, just given that, is there a thought of maybe putting a package together for him regardless of Bryce's injury status? We already have one. So... Okay. Uh, okay. You want us to put a new one together now just because he might play or use the old one? I mean, we can do either one. I mean, I, I'll, I'll go talk to the offensive coaches and see. Do you use that more often? Um, again, you know, I don't talk to Jimbo on a regular basis, but I'll call him and tell him right after the conference if you want me to. Man, you, you guys think I'm going to tell you what we're going to do with our offense and our team? You, you, you might as well make it up. I, I saw today where there's headlines in the paper that, you know, I'm going to keep it a secret what we're going to do with Bryce. I'm, that's It sounded like me making that statement. But it re- I've never said that. But it, it was there in black and white. Like, so you can make up whatever you want to make up. You know, look at somebody else's running quarterback and say they should put these plays in. I think that'd be a better way to do it. That's fake mad, Nick. He he's he's lost his fastball mm-hmm. on getting mad at the media. And 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 he was trying to figure out how to do it. And all he could come up with was, Do you guys want me to call Jimbo and, and tell him exactly what we're gonna do offensively? I've heard Nick Saban way angrier than that. 
I mean, like where he slips yeah. into full-on West Virginia accent and drops a four-letter word or two. Like he, Nick Saban is trying to generate anger and trying to get a message to his football team this week, but he did not deliver that nearly as passionately or as well as he has in the past. You guys disagree? Well, I mean, it's clearly manufactured, and yes, it's not. He's he's gotten scary mad before. That wasn't it. No, that was that was not it. So. The first part of it was funny. I mean, we, we've got a package. Do you want us to do a new one, or can we use the old one? No, that's that's that's, that's humorous. That was funny. I actually thought the follow up was not an unreasonable question, where he's like, well, "Right." Did, do you think, based on what you saw, that that might be something you use more frequently? And that's where Dick's like, well, how about I just tell you the entire game plan? Yeah. I love that he's like, I saw it written. I'm glad that he clarified in the papers, because we know he's not finding it anywhere online. He probably still reads the players told him. He doesn't read their stuff. No, I think he reads papers. <laughs> I do too. And if there's anything written online, the only way he reads it is if somebody prints it out on eight and a half by eleven sheets of paper in oversized font and says, "Here, coach, read this." You think Nick Saban has like that commercial for the insurance? (laughs) Like we don't need to print the internet, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) You think he has ever, on his own, by himself at a computer, logged onto a social media site? Do you think he's ever watched a video on YouTube? Yes. I'm, I'm voting no. I'm yes. voting no. Yeah, yes, he has, but it's been somebody else saying, hey, watch this. Yeah, he's got grandkids, right? Like, one of his grandkids sat on, you know, Grandpa Nick's okay. lap with I'll YouTube. I'll give you that one, yeah. Like, w- watch this Minecraft video, Grandpa Nick. What, what the hell is this crap? One of his grandkids might have even, like... Like, held his phone in front of his face to get the face ID to open it up and then gone to YouTube. Yeah. But, but Facebook, I don't, I don't think Twitter, searching. Instagram, no. No. What if we were all wrong? What if he had a complete hilarious. alter ego on all social media platforms? Like a his fake burner account Facebook is account? At Coach Hugh Freeze. <laughs> that would explain a lot. <laughs> What if he had a really Twitter account, account? He took him down from. He took him down. He didn't. Nobody knew. He got freeze. Saying he was playing chess while everybody else was playing checkers. Yes. Thanks for being with us <laughs> on so this Tuesday afternoon for Michael Borky and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Have a great Tuesday night. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. 
MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.